When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome in DNVR Avalanche podcast Wednesday afternoon. Megan, the season is officially over. We are going to recap what was the Stanley Cup final uh really int- whoa well, all right i guess we're not she's throwing stuff at me she didn't like that so you got sorry. it <laughs> well starting the pod with a bang eh uh and we're gonna you know talk to all that what's next for vegas what's next for florida we're gonna get into uh looking ahead to the offseason the offseason is officially uh in full swing uh let's get this pod going jesse montano megan angley we got tiff on the board today uh Starting off with a DraftKings pick of the week. And Megan, I have been threatening this pick for weeks now, ever since game seven of round one. I'm so excited. Uh, And the odds officially dropped last night. The abs are opening up at plus 800. The odds on favorite to win the 2024 Stanley Cup. I said it as soon as I got eliminated. I'm putting my money on the abs to win the Stanley Cup next year. Uh, I think they are entering into that territory where we saw Vegas at the end of last year. People are going to remember recency bias. They're going to remember how the abs went out. Uh, And I think the abs are going to have a bit of a chip on their shoulder. This is still a very good team. So there's our DraftKings pick of the week. I'm taking the abs right now. Maybe going to be the best odds you're going to get on them for a while. Plus 800 to win the Stanley Cup next year. what I'm saying is I think I'd cash in on that now because their regular season is probably also going to be pretty strong if mm-hmm. everything that we're hoping to happen in the offseason does and those odds are going to get worse yeah. so i would want to bank on that now what i love too is the other teams that you can bet on right now are vegas to repeat yep. and the buffalo sabers <laughs> and i'm not gonna lie to you i did put a little bit of money on the buffalo sabers because that seems like such a fun time well it's just it's one of those uh i don't know if you're a fan of the office but there's something where there's a, a scene where jim says to pam I'll give you 10,000 to one. And Kevin steps in and he goes, I'll take it. And it cuts him and he says, if anyone ever gives you those kinds of odds, you take it because you never know what's going to happen. Kind of the same as putting money on the Sabres. You might as well, right? I mean, they were like a point behind Panthers in their division when it came down to Mm -hmm. it, which this obviously didn't age well for the Panthers, but they made it to the Stanley Cup final at the end of the day. Yeah, We'll definitely get into it all. But I mean, they, they got to the point of the season where you say it's not necessarily a coin flip. Uh, but it's uh, when you get to the cup final, all bets are off. Who knows what's going to happen? And that's a little bit of what uh, we'll get into here. But yes, the abs open up at 800. Uh, Boston looks like is now also 800 overnight. They were uh, plus 900 last night. 
Uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, Edmonton Oilers, New Jersey Devils, Carolina Hurricanes, Vegas Golden Knights, Florida Panthers all coming in uh, there right after. Then you're, the Buffalo Sabres at plus 4,000 again. To Megan's point, it's too fun. It's too fun, and they weren't that far off. Uh, I think that's is that was that your team from last week's roundtable that you picked to yes. non-playoff team to get into the yes. playoffs. I'm with you on that. I, I think Buffalo's got something interesting brewing, and maybe now that Jack Eichel won a cup, the the, the curse can be lifted. The curse can be lifted. Uh, let's jump into it though, Megan. Did you watch last night that beatdown? Oh yeah, <laughs> like. I understand that people have feelings about how this final shaped up, but it's also we're looking now several weeks slash months of no more hockey because mm-hmm. the Calder Cup's going to wrap up soon, too. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be difficult. You want to tune in for these games, at least if you're me. Yeah, I, I, I did with uh, about 90 seconds to go. I, I looked at my wife and I said, wait, no. Yeah. I was like, shit, I'm just realizing what this means. That like, this is it. This is the last game for... Three months until we get some preseason, which, uh, you know, we'll be excited. And then the puck will drop on the first preseason game. And it's like, okay, let's get to regular season. But, <laughs> All right. And board that. Yeah. 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 Uh, but so it is, you know, we're, we're, we're done here for a while. And that game really was done about 30 minutes before the final horn actually oh, yeah. went. Uh, Megan, my sister texted me last night during the game. She's a sports fan, but she, she doesn't dig a lot into the individual sports. So she shot me a text. I, I think when it was shit, five, one, something like that. And she said, is Vegas this much better than Florida? Or is this a much better matchup than it's kind of showing to be? And I told her, I said, this was a much better matchup than it ended up being. The wheels came off for Florida in game two. And they were just trying to keep their heads above water from there. Did you kind of see it the same way? I did. I think that's what made this a tough final on the whole is because we saw dominance from Florida leading mm-hmm. up to this. But then at the end of the day, one, in knowing some of the injuries that Florida was dealing with, it kind of makes sense, though I'm sure we're about to hear of significant injuries to Vegas as well. Mm-hmm. But just in hearing of how much someone like, uh, I think it was Ekblad who had a, a slew of injuries, and he's someone that I was critical of, especially in this final, um, that... I, it kind of makes sense that there were probably some things behind the scenes plaguing Florida beyond just not having Kachuk in yep. this final game, which is also, I think, a big part of the conversation and what he brought to this team that helped to bring them to this point. But, yeah, the wheels came off. I I think that the magic just ran out for Florida a little bit, too. Things like injuries, the Avs know that all too well. Yep. You can have a lot of, of good things going for your team and the identity and the execution, but if things out of your control happen, that will hurt it. And honestly, Vegas was just too good. Yeah. G- give a big amount of credit to Vegas. They came into this series, and I thought really from game one took their play up to another level that we hadn't seen even in these playoffs. Uh, I thought this was by far Vegas's best series. But you're right, Aaron Eckblad separated his shoulder twice, broken foot. I know uh, Paul Maurice, I think he said also had a tear in, in, one, in a muscle somewhere. Um, so he played through a lot. Matthew Kachuk, same injury as Sam Girard that knocked him out of the playoffs in the second round last year. Uh, breaks his sternum there in game three. Comes back, scores the game-tying goal in game three. Plays in game four, but just couldn't do it uh, again in game five. I think what you said there is is spot on. The magic just kind of ran out for them, and I did. I, I felt for Florida 
because it, it, it was. It was that game two where you could tell they were really trying to get back in it. They were trying to get themselves a spark. They were trying to throw Vegas off their game a bit, and they were trying... I don't necessarily know about gamesmanship, but you could tell they were trying to play the game within the game, and Vegas just didn't bite. And Florida, to me, kind of left that game two with a, uh, well, shit, what do we do now? Kind of look on their face. And they just were chasing from there, stacked the injuries. Um, I felt for Bob last night. I do. Because I, I think he's taken a lot of criticism for his performance in these finals, and a good amount of it is warranted, but the team defense in front of him and the decor fell apart also in front of him. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't getting the goal support he needed in part because Aiden Hill was just too good. And yeah. Vegas's defense on the whole also contributed to that. But there were some spectacular saves from Aiden Hill in this Absolutely. series specifically that made things difficult for Florida. All of these things together, it's not solely on Bob's shoulders, mm -hmm. but I see the composure it just, he, he kind of lost it yeah. by the end of it all. And I have to imagine there's something demoralizing in seeing what's happening to your team in front of you, knowing of these injuries, losing Matt Kachuk. I think it's hard to hold on in those moments. And I, I, I think he lost it at the end. And I think part of it too was it looked to me like Florida could feel everything that you're describing. Not just is it happening, but to me it looked like they kind of lost their will to battle through it. Where it was like, you know, we just can't get there. You mentioned the abs a minute ago. That was part of what we mentioned so many times this season that was impressive about the abs was that there were five different milestones at different points this season for the abs where you said they could have packed it in and they didn't good on them. To me, that was what it looked like Florida was trying to do, battle through, not pack it in. But once they kind of went over that tipping point, no one could recover. The mental side of it kind of fell apart. And then you mentioned Aiden Hill. We talk, especially on this pod, shout out to AJ, about timely saves. Are they, you know, AJ always argues every save is a timely save. I always disagree with AJ when we talk about that because what you're saying, take last night, for example. I really thought, leaning on the experience of what I witnessed last year with the Avalanche, I thought Vegas had to have a good start. If they didn't have a good start, there's that pressure to win, pressure to win at home. Now you're thinking about it. The cup's in the building. It's for the first time ever. Doesn't just feel like another game. And I thought Vegas looked nervous early on. They reminded me a lot of way, the way the Avs looked last year. You could feel that tension in the building where they wanted the first goal. Yeah. You know, everyone was just on the edge of their seat. And I thought Florida actually had a decent start to that game. Couldn't get anything by Aiden Hill. I thought Aiden Hill actually fueled the crowd, which then fueled the team. And then once that first one went, I mean, it was just sledding downhill for the, for the Knights. Um, but I completely agree. And I think there were multiple different checkpoints throughout this series where a big save for Aiden Hill, even in games that ended up being blowouts, I thought kind of led to Vegas being able to get their legs under them. And on the reverse side, using the word that you used, really demoralized a lot of what the Florida Panthers were trying to do because they couldn't get one to go. And then every time they were looking up, it felt like they were digging the puck out of the back of their own net. It's a special quality about Aiden Hill to be able to energize his team through some of the saves that were made. You could see the bench reaction in this mm -hmm. last game too, how excited Vegas would get because of this. And 
I likened Vegas to a boa constrictor at the beginning of this all, and it it just does remind me of a suffocating mm-hmm. boa constrictor in that it might not prove immediately fatal, but that is where it's heading. Yeah. And that's how it felt for this Florida team. Like it didn't immediately take them out, but it slowly and not that slowly over the span of five mm-hmm. games pr- got to a point where they could not come back from it. There yeah. was no fighting against it. Not unlike two seasons ago when Vegas eliminated Colorado, where it was just point. once the abs got behind that eight ball, just trying to get back ahead of things, get back out in front of things, you know, and, and again, this is where you have to give a, a ton of credit to Vegas that is now shown a little bit of a pattern that when they need to, you know, ramp that up, you cannot let them let them get ahead. I would need to double check. I believe it was round two. Vegas trailed in every series except for the finals. I believe. You know what's interesting? I don't know if that's true, but it reminded me of the Edmonton series in game two, round two where Shea Theodore's fiance chided the crowd for leaving early in the game because they were getting beat down by Edmonton. Mm-hmm. And I want to say they either like dropped the next one to Edmonton as well or the one just before it. Yep. And it's just an interesting full circle moment how this fan base, I don't know when it clicked for them that this was it, this was the team. Because yeah, yeah, obviously yeah. that home crowd leaving early isn't a reflection of the entirety of the fan base, but I wonder how the crowd that left early in that game that day is feeling right now. Right now. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's been an interesting run to watch the Vegas golden Knights be on you. And I mentioned, you know, talking about the crowd and the fan base. Um, you know, there was a lot of talk when Vegas came into the league. This was give a lot of, I don't even necessarily know if credit's the right word. The NHL took a gamble, no pun intended, going to Vegas. The first ever pro team there for years, decades, leagues had talked about putting a pro team there because of the size of the market, you know, obviously the infrastructure of the city. Uh, but there was always, okay, well, you know, gambling, would that be a problem? Okay, we can get past that as it's being more popularized. Is it too much of a tourist town? Is the building just going to be overrun by visiting fans? Or is it going to be kind of like a Toronto Maple Leaf situation where corporate partnerships buy up all of the lower level tickets and all that's there are high rollers and uh, you know high limit players from the casinos, people that are being comped rooms. Are they going to fill out the lower bowl and there's not going to be an atmosphere there? And the Vegas Golden Knights fan base I mean, completely stuffed that back in everyone's face. We've mentioned it a bunch of times, their attendance, uh, the, the, the atmosphere inside the building. I mean, it looked like there were 50,000 people standing outside yeah. of T-Mobile Arena last night. Um, it, it's, it's really been outstanding to watch. But to your point, I, I, to, to your question, I would love to know uh, how... At what point did they really feel like this is the team? Because I remember we had that conversation last year about the abs. And once they got past St. Louis, it was like, this feels like it. And I just wonder, those fans that left early in the second round, you know, was that them doubting that this could be it? It's interesting, too, because I'm reflecting on how Vegas finished their season last year. And I find it 
reasonable to believe that fans might have been unsure of Vegas coming totally. into this season, especially with a, a new coach at the helm. And I think in a, another pod we talked about, Bruce Cassidy, and I don't think I gave enough credit where credit was due, what it means to connect with a room newly in such a way that to take them over the finish line mm-hmm. because that requires a lot of trust between players and coach. And similarly, I think some of what Vegas did especially well was being unwavering in their game plan. And I think that comes with strong leadership, not only in the room, but with a head coach as well that has a clear vision for what he needs his team to be doing. And I think that's a big part of this too. And if I'm the fan base though, there's a lot of question marks. There's going to be question marks even going into next year. But what I think Vegas has demonstrated very well is their commitment to winning. Yeah. And that is where I think they can start to have a lot more trust in Vegas that they might not know what the team looks like exactly, but they know that the front office is committed to making this team as competitive as possible. And that's a promise. And I want to get into more of, of what you're talking about there. What is kind of next uh, for Vegas here in just a minute, but I want to keep talking about last night a bit. Um, any players in particular that when you're watching the Stanley Cup cere- you know, presentation ceremony after uh, that, that jumped out to you is this is a really good, you know, a, a, a nice feel good moment uh, for this individual. I tweeted about it last night. One of the guys for me, I know he didn't play a minute in the playoffs, but Jonathan Quick, just because of the way that that all went down at the trade deadline, uh, you know, I mean, just the way he's kind of kicked out the door by the LA Kings after everything he gave that franchise in terms of Stanley Cups and Vesna performances and, you know, the face of the franchise for, you know, I think it was 15 plus years. Uh, I mean, carried them to a Stanley Cup in that first one. Uh, was it had a huge part in the second one. For them to, you know, ship him off behind his back to Columbus, to him, for him to end up here, uh, get another Stanley Cup. He was a uh, one for me that was really easy. My other one uh, was Jonathan Marsha. So I thought that was a great moment for him last night. Absolutely. You know, when I talk about my criticisms of Vegas's handling of things in the past, I specifically think of Marc-Andre Fleury. Yep. And so I think that is where they lost their way a bit. But it is there's something redemptive about them being able to take Jonathan Quick mm-hmm. into their hands and have a cup. I, I do mm-hmm. find that to be a very rewarding moment, um, especially after what Quick was put through. Mm-hmm. Kind of f- maybe feeling similarly, but worse off because right. of the time that he spent in L.A. But yep. Players I'm happy for, and I think this was interesting, was just the original six kind of all together that you're alluding to. Like, I've always kind of been a fan of Riley Smith specifically. Mm -hmm. And I think that that original six core has their fingerprints all over this Stanley Cup win. They were an integral part in the success that this Vegas team had. I think there's something to be said for, too. Obviously, there's the injection of talent in Jack Eichel, another Mm -hmm. player that I'm actually pretty happy for because he took a gamble on himself and prioritized his health in a way that benefited him. It, it worked out in the end, and I was happy to see that. But then with the original six, like, they, so yeah, they get talent infused around them, but they were also, this team was kind of built around them mm-hmm. too, with them in mind in ways. And the specific roles that each of these players play, I think it's very appropriate too that the game winning goal mm-hmm. in this is, I think it's from, is it, is it Carlson or Carrier to, Smith. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had it written down, but I, I think that's uh, incredibly I was, I was appropriate. I Let's thought see. it was Carlson, right? I think it's Carlson as well. 
that's incredibly appropriate. It, it was. It was that Carlson b- between the legs, no look pass on the back door. Yes, that is Carlson. the yeah. most appropriate way to cap off how they win this Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are the kind of storylines that I appreciate. Well, and and so you know, to your point of like they have talent injected around them. There's been so much conversation about you know they added Mark Stone, Petrangelo, Eichel. Uh, you know, even obviously he wasn't a part of this technically, but, you know, even going out and getting Robin Leonard and like, you know, they had the bring in the mercenary thing. And that's part of what made it so poetic that Jonathan Marchessault wins the Conn Smythe trophy is that despite all of that, all of the changes, all the players they brought in, all the picks they spent, the free agency money, it's still Jonathan Marchessault helping you know what what voters deemed the most to drag this team to a stanley cup um you felt good for him because it really did feel like the energy that the vegas golden knights had that first year of island of misfit toys you know the golden misfits nobody wants us we're going to prove everyone wrong it felt like they had more of that this or they had that again this year i shouldn't say more of that they had that again this year where it was we missed the playoffs last year because everything went wrong and then we have always criticized yeah but in that last week you really had a ch- you your destiny was in your own hands and you fumbled the ball but you know so everything went wrong they missed it last year and i think they felt counted out i think they felt nobody you know look at the the, the list at the beginning of the year a lot of national media had them on the outside. I know there were a few of us had them on the outside. At best, people had them as a wild card team. There were too many uh, uh, question marks. What's happening in net? Right. What's this? Is there too much change? How is Jack? You know, Jack Eichel never really settled in at the end of last year after coming back from the injury. How is he going to play? Can Mark Stone stay healthy? And I think that was something they really rallied around and it helped bring out that original identity that this team had six years ago. Absolutely. I think it was the blueprint and, and it's the blueprint. And that's what I think let's, I, I want to start talking about what they have uh, coming for them in the future, because this is a team, Megan, I talked about it online or excuse me on Twitter that I, if abs fans are, are waiting for them to go away quickly, I would not hold your breath. I think this is a team that it it may not look the same um, in terms of personnel, like you alluded to a minute ago. There are always going to be changes coming, but this is a team that I think uh, is going to stay near the top uh, for a while. So I want to get into that. But first, I do, of course, want to talk about uh, just some of our great partners. Uh, that and really these uh, these first few. Uh, are some of my faves for the summer. Uh, Pins and Aces, the official golf apparel partner of All City and DNVR. Uh, we've all gotten some Pins and Aces gear. I think we actually even got reloaded a couple weeks ago. Uh, so everyone's all outfitted out for the summer. I've been wearing my, uh, well, I've been wanting to wear. I've got a friends coming to town this week. I'm doing some barbecues. Bust out my Pins and Aces button up that was a huge hit at the last party I wore it to. Megan was there. You can ask her. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> uh, family-owned business, uh, golf and apparel business started right here in Colorado. They make amazing polos, hats, bags, and even our favorite beer sleeve, an innovative product that allows you to store seven beers 
right inside your golf bag so you can keep drinking cold drinks the entire round. Check out Pins and Aces and use the code DNVR to receive 15% off your first order and get free shipping. Pinsandaces.com. Use the code DNVR. Uh, also brought to you guys by our good friends over at Shady Rays. Look, partner that beauty of an outfit you get from Pins and Aces with a nice pair of Shady Rays. Uh, the, I think, I think the sun is supposed to be out this weekend. I'm not making any bets. I'm not holding my breath for it, uh, but I think the sun is supposed to be out. So get your uh, Shady Rays order. Get some nice shades for the summer. Hopefully summer is around the corner here in Colorado. Um, go to ShadyRays.com uh, and use the code DNVR. You're going to get 50% off two pairs of polarized sunglasses uh, so you can try for yourself the sunglasses that have been rated five stars by over 250,000 people. If you can't, uh, if you don't want to shop online, you want to try them on, uh, head to their brick and mortar store inside the Park Meadows Mall uh, here in Lone Tree, Colorado. Uh, super nice staff, great shop, tons of selection. Uh, so you can head down there, try them on before you place your order online. Uh, ShadyRays.com, use promo code DNVR. Also brought to you guys by DraftKings Sportsbook. We already talked a little bit about uh, our pick of the week for this week, which is I'm putting my money on the Avs uh, to win the Stanley Cup next year. They're sitting at plus 800 right now. You mentioned that once the regular season gets going, those odds are probably going to go down. Even depending on the moves they make this summer, uh, you could see those odds drop. My wife showed me a screenshot yesterday of one of her friends who had put 100 bucks on the Nuggets to win the <laughs> NBA championship. Hannah was like, well, wait, what is this? That she just bet on one game. That seems like really good odds. And I was like, they were, it was plus 1,100. And I was like, no, 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 no. She did that a while ago. I was like, that was a bet she placed way at the beginning of the season. Uh, so be like my wife's friend and cash in early. Get in when the odds are at their best. You're not going to find any better odds than this. Uh, go to DraftKings Sportsbook and use the promo code DNVR. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit Gambling Helpline. Uh, dot org in New York, call 877-8, I'm sorry, 877-8467-369 in Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700 on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligible restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for detail and state-specific re responsible gambling, gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after uh, issuance, eligibility, and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash hockey terms. Thank you. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what is next for these two teams that we just saw run all the way to the Stanley Cup final. Uh, Florida, I think, Megan, this was a cosign of all right, the Matthew Kachuk trade worked. We're sitting in a better spot than we were this time last year. Sounds like this run to the cup final has been very good for them on the business side of things. Uh, a lot of season ticket sales, a lot of merchandise sales. Uh, so you hope that they maybe have a little bit of a stronger foothold in the marketplace there. Do you need to figure something out in net or are you kind of stuck where you're at if you're the Florida Panthers? I think they are 
anchored to Bob's contract a little bit in a, a difficult way. Um, I guess, too, there's uncertainty around what's the future hold for Spencer Knight. And so I do feel like they're kind of, at least for another season, they, there's still some feeling out mm-hmm. to do to see what their options could potentially be. Um, I think they're kind of anchored to that their goaltending right now. What's tough about the Bobrovsky thing? Because, again, you, you're feeling really bad about it today, this morning, right? Not, yeah, not great. With, with the way that the final ended up going and then nine getting hung on him last night, you don't feel great. <clears throat> but I really don't know if anybody's long-term feelings would have changed about Sergei Bobrovsky regardless of what happened, right? Because the entire the, the whole conversation the entire time was, oh boy, when do the wheels come off? Nothing that Bobrovsky did was surprising to anybody. We all knew that, that he was capable of being that type of goaltender. But it was surprising given that he the regular season that he just had. So I, I don't know. I, I I think this was gonna be a gray area either way for them. I think so too, because I think the biggest area of concern for Florida that I'd like to see them try to answer for is their defense. Mm-hmm. And I think that would help to alleviate some of the goaltending uncertainty if they built that a little more soundly. Yeah. And so that's sort of where I'm looking to Florida to look at making some changes in this off season. To me, Florida, both of these teams are really at the tweaks around the edges. I, I think even though two weeks from now, maybe at the draft, I think Florida's got to be back to feeling pretty good about everything that just happened. I, I think they're very much in a window. They won the President's Trophy now, officially, two seasons ago. Um, you know, they're... they're they win the President's Trophy. They run to the Cup Final. Like I said, you feel good about the Matthew Kachuk trade. I really don't know, Megan, if this is a team that you need to see big moves for. I think it's tweaking around the edges. Like you said, sure up that D a bit. If there's an option that presents itself to you in net, maybe go that route. But I don't know. I, I, I think if you're Florida and you're stepping back and looking at the roster construction without the emotions involved, I think you feel pretty good. Absolutely. You don't want to see them make a nuclear move just because of this outcome. But I think some changes, at least even in just the depth of their decor, are necessary, mm-hmm. required at this point. But you're right. I, I reflect on, honestly, the first round against Boston for Florida. There's a lot to take pride in in this playoff run on a whole. Um, but they were underdogs yeah. round by round. Yep. And to come out of Boston the way that they did, you're right. That's why I don't think it would justify any sort of nuclear options Mm -hmm. because this is still a team that had some impressive moments in the postseason. And there's a lot to build on, though. Like, even in their regular season, they (laughs) barely got there. And so I I think there's a lot of learning lessons, but I watch them take learning lessons of their sweep getting swept by Florida or Tampa the year before. and incorporate that into the next year. So I think that they're going to really internalize this as well. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I agree. And like Katie said, you kind of, when we talked to Katie gods at the end of last week, you watch that regular season play out and you really, if you understood the Florida Panthers, you know, she was saying that it was like, they're right there. 
They just need to get there. That you know, they just need to get there. You know, get in the, the get in the saddle a bit. And we think they can go on a run. Uh, you wonder if this will kind of be able to carry momentum uh, forward. Vegas Golden Knights, look, I, I, they are a team that their biggest decision that they've got to make is what are they doing in net? Um, is it Logan Thompson? Is it now Aiden Hill? Aiden Hill needs a new deal. Um, this, again, like I just said, I, I think if you're Vegas without looking immediately at their cap situation, uh, I think they got a lot of guys who are still under contract. You just won the Stanley Cup in, in pretty convincing fashion. For me, I think the biggest question mark for them this summer is going to be what happens in net. And then I will also be curious about the health of Mark Stone. Yeah, that's a, a great question starting with Stone. And with what they're going to do in net, it feels hard. Like, we don't really know, too, the, the status of Logan Thompson and the injury and what that looks like for next season, if this is something he can expect to make a full recovery on. And it, it feels safe to kind of place him in the starter's net pencil him in. Mm -hmm. But then they have the decision to make with Aiden Hill, who I think is what makes a compelling case for would it be Logan Thompson in the starter's net or could it be Aiden Hill? Because right. Lauren Bossois is also going to be a free agent. And I could see them, if they're going to look at Aiden Hill, just committing to Aiden Hill yeah. at that point. Yep. Um, but they have to make that decision. And that poses a little bit of an interesting scenario then between Thompson and Hill mm -hmm. and who would be the true starter there because that was what Thompson was fighting for in the beginning of this season before injury and made a, a convincing case for himself. But now this injury changes things and Aiden Hill's spectacular playoff performance does as well because how does that translate to a regular season? A much heavier workload, <coughs> though the stakes aren't quite as high in the regular season, <laughs> it definitely is a lot more games that he, he would be taking on. It's a different kind of mental grind. A hundred percent. But I think what concerns me the most for Vegas overall is they have a little bit of room to play with this offseason, but they have some expiring contracts next year of people that I know they're going to want to extend. And because of what they've done with the cap leading up to this, they are probably going to have to part ways with players that they really love. I was going to say, so that was the one, yep, right there, that comment that just came up. They, they are, they were over the cap f during the playoffs, which, you know, the cap doesn't count. And as it sits right now today, oh shit, I don't have my watch on. Was it the 14th? Yeah. June 14th, they currently sit 3.4 under the salary cap, but that is with those contracts that are expiring that you said. Uh, and those are some players that, I, I mean, that's going to be tough. Uh, Brett Howden's an RFA. Ivan Barbashev, I don't think there's any way they can keep him. No, but he was such a spectacular fit. He was outstanding for them. He was outstanding for them. Uh Phil Kessel, Teddy Bluger, uh, all UFAs. Uh, and then you do have uh, Braden Patchell on the back end. That's an RFA. Uh, and then all three of Laurent Bressois, Aiden Hill, and Jonathan Quick, UFAs. So they need to figure out a backup goaltender. Uh, and then they're going to have, you know, there's a little bit of legwork to do in the bottom half of the lineup. But really, that core is in place. The core is in place up front. The core is in place on the back end. Um, you have at bare minimum, Logan Thompson, two more years, less a, than a million yeah, dollars. A crazy good deal for very, right now. Very good deal. Um, so again, the comment is correct. 
they are going to have to do some work to make sure they are cap compliant on day one. That might mean, you know, losing a, a guy or two in your bottom six. But as Tampa has shown, as Vegas has shown now a couple times, as long as you can keep that core together, you can tweak around the fringes and, and make it work. Um, Megan, I, I said it off the top and I'll say it again here uh, about the Vegas Golden Knights. This is a team that uh, I have a feeling could be here for the long haul. Anything else on either of these two teams before we move into a little bit more um, broad offseason, what to expect, maybe take a look at the abs a bit here. I know people are clamoring for us to get to the offseason conversation, but here's what the conclusion of last night's game did. We are now staring down three months of offseason chatter. And now it's all rumors. It's all, you know, rumor mill stuff. It's all, well, this is what we're hearing. This is what so I know people are itching to get there. We're, we're anxious to talk about it too. You and I are heading to the draft here in two weeks. Um, you know, then you've got free agency right after that. We will have plenty of time to unpack all of that. We're going to have too much time to unpack all of that. Uh, so uh, it is a long off season. Yes. So, so, so we will get there folks. I promise we're going to start diving into a little bit of it now. Megan, do you have anything else? Florida Panthers, Vegas, Golden Knights. Uh, you know, they said cup and six and they pulled it off. I loved the, this is, I'm sorry. We don't have to keep going. No, I just, no, I no, just no, love I that going. it was the original six in six years gets the cup yes. for this franchise. I think that it's a bit poetic. And, and I do, here's, here's how I'll kind of wrap it up. And, and I was just listening, uh, to, to Elliot Friedman talk about this a bit. And I hadn't really thought about it, but what he was saying was that it really did feel like there was within this organization, it still did have the people gave up on us mantra to it all the way up and down, you know, the players. Sure. But you mentioned Jack Eichel earlier. That was a really messy breakup with the Buffalo Sabres. And, and, you know, it was, he couldn't get the surgery that he wanted, that he felt he needed, that his medical staff had put together. When he left, he had that first game back to Buffalo that did not endear himself to a lot of people, the way that he kind of talked a lot about the city of Buffalo. Um, you know, Buffalo had a lot of success at the end of that season, and people kind of were looking at, oh, maybe Jack Eichel was the problem, right? So mm -hmm. even he had a little bit of that. Uh, Alex Petrangelo famously felt like St. Louis didn't make him an offer that he felt... You know, he felt very slighted by the way that that relationship ended when he hit unrestricted free agency because of some of the contracts they were willing to give out to other people and not him. Yeah. Um, Bruce Cassidy, fired by the Boston Bruins almost a year to the day, uh, you know, from, from yesterday, saying, you know, we, you know, we have a team that we're still making pushes for. We don't think you can get us there. GMGM, uh, GM, George McPhee, the architect of a lot of this stuff, was fired by the Washington Capitals right before being, uh, you know, picked up by the Vegas Golden Knights six years ago. Um, and and like I said, even in a weird way, the owner, Bill Foley, in the city of Vegas, I mean, they wanted professional sports for a long time, but we're told forever and ever, no, 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 you don't have the fan base. You don't have the population. It'll be too many tourists, too many corporate partnerships. And all of that, like I said, has just been kind of thrown back in the face of, of the naysayers um, and so that was as much as Avs fans maybe have disdain for Vegas and their fans. That is one part, one element of it that I really did. You, you feel good about for a champion that there were a lot of people on that team that were doubted and were told 
you're not part of the solution here. And they kind of went there and made their own solution. The Cassidy nod is something I point to when I feel confident that this team is going to do whatever it takes to be competitive for years to come, because it was eight days after the Bruins decided to pass on Cassidy mm-hmm. that Vegas hired him. Yep. And that is a team with a clear vision of who they want yep. coaching their team. Yep. They didn't let him sit in the coaching carousel for very long before they knew that's our guy. And I think that's what makes it interesting about like the New York Rangers and just the amount of time maybe it's taken for Laviolette to finally totally. get the hire. It, it's been interesting the way coaching changes happen this offseason, just comparing it to something like a team, Vegas, being so sure of Cassidy. I do wonder if New York went into this like Laviolette's our guy the whole time. Well, Megan, so let's take that even a step further, RE, how Vegas has operated now for the last couple of years, because I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. They said, Bruce Cassidy's our guy, and we are not messing around with this. We want him. We're bringing him in. I was actually talking to someone last night that Avs fans that know, there is a little bit of extra sting last night watching some of those guys parade the cup around the ice. Mark Stone, the Avs are runners-up in the Mark Stone sweepstakes. Uh, Alex Petrangelo sweepstakes, Avs are runner-up. Jack Eichel sweepstakes, Abs are runner up and actually about 12 hours before the deal is finalized, Jack Eichel is told by his agent, it's Colorado. Get ready. The deal is almost done. Right. Vegas, and you have to give them credit. This is me giving them credit. They said, we're not missing on these players. We think we need these players and we are going to up our deal. We're going to pay whatever we need to pay, whether it be cash, assets, draft picks, prospects, roster players, if we have to move guys out to make the money work, we're, we've identified this is our guy and we are going to do whatever we need to get him. And, you know, again, there there's three instances right there where they said we cannot let a rival get this player. We're going to do whatever we have to to get this player. Again, I think the abs feel fine about all of it, given that, you know, at officially as of last night they are no longer the defending stanley cup champions but they hung their banner they're right in the you know in in the middle of a prime stanley cup window for them so again the abs are doing fine but you give vegas credit coaching players management when they identify this is a piece that we think makes us better we are going to do whatever we have to do to get it and it's admirable when you see it pay off there was a lot of question marks about it in the last couple years how it actually was going to work but they're celebrating today it's an interesting segue too into the free agency conversation as it relates to the avs because rudo posed an interesting question yesterday have the avs been competitive enough in making a case for players to come to colorado like have they presented a convincing enough case to invite free agents in past Mm -hmm. off seasons and in the past i personally evaluated it as kind of right about where I would have wanted it because I wouldn't have wanted them to overpay and overvalue some of these players. However, right now I feel like the Avs are really up for a new evaluation because it has never been easier to sell players on the Colorado Avalanche than right now, in my opinion. And if some of these targets that we are going to begin talking about don't ultimately choose Colorado in the end, then I'm going to have some concerns about the sales pitch that's being offered. And we pointed to things like what they've been able to do with some of these college free agents as a reflection that this is working to Mm -hmm. some degree, that there are players being made convinced to come here. 
And I think that's going to be something we can start talking about because even interestingly, like the, the Vegas Colorado parallel here is the Avs commitment to staying true to the cap. And I, I don't mean to make this sound no, but critical, but like in not mm-hmm. using LTIR with Landeskog last yep. season when they could have around the deadline, this is something that the Avs have received a lot of criticism for. And depending on how this ages, maybe rightfully so, but this is where Vegas and Colorado really separate too in their approach to what they can do with roster manipulation, cap manipulation. Mm-hmm. The Avs have sort of taken this stand that we're not going to do that. We're going to do it by the mm-hmm. book every step of the way. Yep. And I, I, so I think it's interesting. Joe Sackick was very proud of that last year. And I was proud yep. for the Avs, like in how they managed to create this mm-hmm. line. Like I've never really seen a better constructed roster than the 2022 Avs. I agree. And that's in the cap era. In the cap era. And that's what makes it difficult to repeat that as well, that uh, complete of a roster construction. But that's where the Avs have a little bit of a test because in their commitment to playing things by the book, it also limits then what they're able to right. entice free agents with. And I think that's going to be this offseason is kind of what I'm booking as a true marker of what kind of a sales pitch the Avs can make to some of these free agents. Well, And, and I also do wonder how much... Because, look, Vegas is really the first team in the NHL that we've seen behave this way. You know, there's I saw a tweet yesterday that said, Vegas operates with no sunk cost fallacy. Yes, there's players that have been great for us. Yes, there's players we've invested in. If we think that we can move them and be in a better position to win, that's what we're going to do. And, again, it's it's you have to wonder if that is an enticing pitch to players hey we're gonna do whatever we have to do to win not just the culture not just the buy-in management is gonna make whatever moves they have to make they're gonna bring guys in you know we are going for it every year i i I don't know megan and and then you and i talked about the other day no state tax it's a desirable location it's a warm weather climate which i know people will laugh because i'm the one saying it but there have been (laughs) A lot of NHL players that have talked about this is somewhere you're living six to nine months, depending on how successful your season goes. You're not living there the full year. They like living in desirable locations. There's a lot of hockey towns, a lot of NHL cities that are cold weather climates, Northeast, uh, uh, you know, Midwest, Canada. There's a lot of snowy, cold coat and scarf climates. So players like being able to, you know, Steven Stamkos is the one that I was laughing because he was shivering last year in Vegas doing the take a shot thing. And someone was making fun of him. And he's like, dude, I've lived in Tampa for the last 15 years of my life. Like I'm acclimated. I'm cold now. Uh, So, you know, it's a warm weather climate. You have an aggressive owner. You have an aggressive GM. Now you've got a banner up in the rafters. I think, Megan, for me personally, the next... Five to seven years, it's Colorado, it's Vegas. We might be, I don't know if the hatred will be there. I really do think we are staring down Colorado, Detroit all over again in terms of these are the powerhouses in the West. One of them will be at the Western Conference Final every year. We'll probably get a couple matchups where it's the two of them going head to head. Um, You know, I, I really do think that these two teams are primed the way they're built, the way their management you know, abs management, despite them having missed out on those players that we just talked about, they're aggressive. They're in on things. They're always looking to see if they can make the team better. And I do have to wonder if Vegas's approach is going to lead to other teams saying, 
we got to get more aggressive. A little more aggressive in, in the Avs included. I agree with that. And that's, you took the words out of my mouth, Megan. I think the Avs are, could look at Vegas and say, we could stand to be a little bit more aggressive. I agree. The Joe Sackick was very proud of the, we stayed under the cap. Chris McFarland, very proud of it this year. And you should be. I agree with you, Megan. That team last year was a cap-compliant team that won the Stanley Cup for the Avalanche and is maybe the best-constructed roster in the cap era. I, you know, I'd have to look. There's been a lot of good ones. You'd have to look and really line it up. But that was a very, very, very good team. But hey, look, if you have, if, if you have the option to bend the rules, exploit a loophole, whatever, and you think it gets you there, the Vegas Golden Knights proved, just proved last night, can be worth it. Definitely. It can be worth it. They don't care about... You can talk sh- all the shit you want about cap compliancy. They got a banner. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Breck Brew, the official beer of DNVR, Breckenridge Brewery. Uh, one of my favorites uh, that we've had a longtime partner of ours, uh, the official beer of DNVR. We have almost all of their beers here on tap. We have a bunch of them. They got their sel- their uh, good company seltzers now for the summer. Some of my favorites outside enjoying the weather. Nice, crisp, and refreshing. Make sure you guys are heading down uh, to the farmhouse, which is there off of Santa Fe uh, here in Denver. I actually just saw uh, two different people that I'm friends with on, I think it was Instagram, had stories. They were at the farmhouse for some type of concert this uh, past weekend. I love that spot because I think if you go tubing, you end there. And so after yes. a day of tubing down the river, yeah. you can go there. And yeah. it's an amazing location. Awesome location. Great venue. Super central. It's not ultra far from, from downtown Denver. But you're also not right in the middle of all the craziness. Great food. Great drinks. They have all their beers on tap there. Uh, you can also buy them up front at the farmhouse. Use the Breck Beer locator at breckbrew.com. Available now in all 50 United States. So if you are here in the U.S., you should be able to find them uh, at your local liquor store. Use the Breck Beer Locator. Breckbrew.com, uh, the official beer of DNVR. Also brought to you guys by Bacchus and Shanker. Set Call 222-2222 to set up a consultation if you are hurt uh, in an accident. That was not your fault. Uh, call Bacchus and Shanker. They've been winning for Colorado families for over 25 years. They've won over a billion dollars for their clients. They don't charge you a thing until they win you money in your case. You can get a free consultation, see if you even have a case. Uh, and then they can, you know, they go through the whole process. They don't charge you a thing until you win, until you get some money in your pocket. No fee while they work on your case. Uh, No fee for a consultation. No fee unless they win your case and win you money. Uh, Now with even more locations so they can serve all of Colorado, including uh, neighborhood offices in Denver, Aurora, Inglewood, Fort Collins, and more. Backus and Shanker has the strength and power to win your case. More than 30 lawyers and 100 staff members. 222-2222. Call Backus and Shanker today. Uh, if you were hurt, car accidents, scootering, uh, walking, pedestrian at work, if it wasn't your fault, you were injured, give Bacchus and Shanker a call. If you were injured wearing a tutu, call 222-2222. Uh, Megan, I sent you a question before the show today, and now I'm hoping you read it. <laughs> I did read. Okay. Uh, because Oh, we- okay. I did read it. Okay. Yes. I'll vamp here for a second to give you a second to think about it. Yeah. Um, 
We're officially into the offseason, which means, like we said a minute ago, we're going to get some of the offseason moves going. Uh, I just recently put out, we got, uh, I got a mailbag going for this week as we get into all of the different, uh, you know, trades, free agency, draft, all of that stuff. Uh, so head on over to my Twitter if you have a question at Jesse Montano underscore. You can drop your question there uh, for the mailbag this week. We're two weeks away from the draft. Free agency is about a week after that. Here is my question for Megan. And I can even answer first if you want more time. But I asked you, Megan, if you were Chris McFarlane, what's one bold move that you would make this summer to help the Colorado Avalanche improve their roster? Would you like me to go? I would. And I have a feeling the part that I'm sure of that makes it bold might be the same part that makes yours bold if okay. it involves Devon Taves. It, mine does involve okay. Devon Taves. And I had this feeling because I'm going to be honest, I think the whole DNVR crew has been really casual in talking about trading Devon Taves. And I don't know if we've taken a second to stop and explain that no one's eager to train right, Devon right, Taves. Right. It has just been like this most valuable piece and seeing the expiring contract and knowing and seeing other contracts that are getting signed right now, knowing there's no way the Avs can keep him. That being the context, anytime right. we talk about trading Devontae's, it is not because he has not been a perfect fit for Cam McCarr right, in the top right. pairing. Like, there is so much that has been loved and appreciated about Devontae's. I just wanted to sort of get in front of that for a second. Well, then adding to that, everything you just said is spot on. No one's saying trade Devontae's, he's not good. It's you might need to trade Devontae's before you lose him for nothing exactly. because he's such a good player. You don't want to lose a guy like that for nothing. And then the next layer to that is the guy that he's playing in front of. You have your Devontae's replacement in Colorado already, in Bowen Byram. He's just, I mean, itching to break through to be the top pair, Kale McCarr, Bowen Byram, this was the plan when they picked him. No one really foresaw the fit of Devon Taves being as good as... It I mean, we knew it was going to be good. We knew Devon Taves was going to be good for the Avs. Nobody, I don't think, saw it being going this well. Bowen Byron playing next to Kale McCarr was the plan. It's a righty. It's a lefty. They're, they're strong defensive defenders, but they obviously both have the upside. They can move the puck. Bowen Byram and Kale McCarr do exactly what the Avs are great at. So that's the other level of context to it, is you're saying you feel better about moving on from a guy like Taves because you know you can immediately repla replace it. He's replaced the second he's gone. You don't have to bring anyone in. So that is the context of it. Um, my bold move, and you're going to love this one, Megan. It's moving Devon Taves. Uh, wow, everyone, a lot of people have a similar. Mine's Devon Taves for one of Trevor Zegras or Troy Terry. I think that keeps you young, helps fill out your second line center position. It fills a need for the Ducks. They would have money to pay him. Uh, you know, they, they have the ducks. I really do think for as bad as I'm expecting them to be again this season, that's a scary team four years from now. <laughs> There's a lot of really, really, really high end young talent yes. already there and on its way. 
and they're picking second overall here in two weeks. I think that could be a very good team. I think a guy like Devon Taves would be perfect for their back end. Um, to me, I originally had kind of drawn this up as Troy Terry because I think he is just a little too old for what their window is. And I think that Trevor Zegris would maybe be a little bit more highly coveted by the, the ducks. Definitely. He, he's a true center. He's 22 years old. Uh, you know, he's, he's already producing at the point at the pace that Troy Terry is three years younger. Um, to me, one of those two kids makes perfect sense for what the abs are wanting to do, the needs they, they they're looking to fill. And then the long term of that, the wrinkle that it throws is Troy Terry is due for a new deal right now. So you would have to get him in here. He's RFA. You'd have to re-sign him. I don't think, you know, as a two-time 60-point guy, I don't think that that breaks the bank too bad. Probably talking in the 5 to $6 million range. Yeah. Maybe a little more. Denver native, born and raised here, played AAA here for the Thunderbirds. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I just think that, one of those two would make a lot of sense. And Devon Taves going back the other way would make a lot of sense for them as well. Maybe you have a couple picks from each team that, that are kind of completing that deal, getting it over the line. You know, I don't know a first here, a second coming back. I'm not sure how that part works out, but the baseline of it would be Devon Taves for one of Trevor Zegras, Troy Terry. I love it. <laughs> I mean, it's sad to like just, right, just right. ship Taves off as if it's nothing. But no, I do love it. And for the reasoning you're providing in what you would be getting in a Terry or a Zegris would be really helpful to bolster the Avs forward group in a way that I think we saw, though this is a team with a lot of talent in its forward group. When you don't have an Achushkin, you don't have a Landeskog. Yep. It really hurts when you don't have a second line centerman at all. Right. It really hurts. And I, I think that this would help to improve the scoring too, because the output, so much of it was coming single-handedly from Miko Rantanen yes. and Nathan McKinnon yep. when he was healthy. So I think that is a little bit of deviation from what we've ordinarily seen from the Avs who can usually find the back of the net altogether a little bit more efficiently. And I think that a Zegras or a Terry type would provide that. And I, and, I, and I love it. And both of those guys just give you a little bit of a different look than what you've got. Um, you know, with, with the really high end skill, the hands, uh, the speed, both of those guys play center, uh, you know, Troy Terry can flex out to right. the wing. Um, but if you're bringing him in and saying, Hey, we're going to shape you into our two C then that's what you're doing. You know? And again, it, it keeps you young. You actually get a little bit younger in the deal. Um, Troy Terry, a 30 goal season last season, a 20, 30 plus 20 plus last year, Trevor Zegras back to back 20 plus goal seasons. These guys that can produce for you, they can score goals. They can make plays. They can plan the power play. Um, I, I probably lean a little more towards a guy like Terry from a cultural fit. I don't know how much of a guy like Zegras would fit immediately into the culture. He also may be a little bit more expensive because he's already got back-to-back 60-point seasons by age 22. He probably costs you a little bit more by the time that deal comes around. Uh, so for me, I really do think it kind of comes down to Devon Taves for Troy Terry, add in whatever 
you know, plus plus on either side that you need to get the deal done. But for me, that is kind of the basis of the the move that I would be per, uh, pursuing. I think it makes a lot of sense too because of what Anaheim is in need of. They mm-hmm. traded away some of their best defensemen at the deadline. Their, their entire decor. And so they, and then they've. I think Shattenkirk's going to hit free agency. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they just have a lot of questions to answer in their decor altogether yeah. that they'll need more than a Devon Taves, but that would be a huge solution and a trusted top pairing guy that is highly coveted throughout the entirety of the league. Right. He, he's a top pairing guy. I mean, he, you immediately get a high end defenseman to build your decor around. That's a guy who's now won a Stanley cup can help shepherd in that, that next cause they have an outstanding crop of young defensemen coming through the pipeline. If you could start getting those guys work with Devon Taves yeah. and, and him, you know, being a, a captain, I don't know if he'd be the captain, you know, a captain on that team, a real leader. I saw a comment that said, you feel bad for Taves. He gets moved by the Islanders because he's too good. They can't afford him. And now it might end up being the same situation here with the abs. Anaheim's a team that could pay him. They could pay him. They could pay him for the long term. Say, we want you here. You're a staple of the Anaheim Ducks. You're going to help bring uh, on the next wave of greatness for us. Uh, You know, we have a bunch of young defenders coming, a bunch of young forwards here and on the way. Uh, and and to answer the question that came through the chat, would the Ducks be interested in moving either of those guys? That's another reason why I think Troy Terry would be a good fit. He's at, and it's crazy to say this about a kid that's 25 years old. He's a little too old for their window. Their core players right now are 19 to 23. He's technically like just a little bit ahead of the curve that I think they wanted or they want. So that's why it's a, we're going to give you a guy that's in his prime that can really help bring apart about the next group. And you're not, Anaheim, kind of like Taves, they would immediately replace him with Mason McTavish (laughs) or whomever it is that they end up taking number two, whether it's Fantilli or or whoever. Right. You've kind of got those replacements coming. Devon Taves gives them something they don't have, which is a high-end first-pairing defenseman today. No, I like it. Do you have a different move? I don't know if I want... First of all, it's not a complete move, but Mm -hmm. it is something that I'm curious about in looking at the goaltender market this offseason. There's a lot of true NHL starters that are being discussed in this conversation, and I wondered... I love where this is going. If the chips were down... Would someone like Pavel Francouz be untouchable? And I feel bad because of what he means to me, like what I think he brings to the team. I think he's such a valuable player. But in seeing that this is someone before his extension teams wanted as a starter, I wonder if this is still someone teams would be interested in as a starter. Mm. And if there are teams that are in need of a goaltending solution that are looking at the Hellebucks and the Gibsons, and they're like, there's not a way that we can make this work. But maybe there's a way we could make a Francois work if the trade partner was agreeable, if they had something, a huge asset to offer. And I hate even uttering it because, one, I don't have the trade partner in mind specifically. No, but but a, I wonder if a team would capitalize on the state of the goaltender market. Right, because there's a lot of high-profile goalies out there that are going to cost a lot. 100%. Hey, here's a guy that you all wanted a year ago. 
before we were able to extend him. That's interesting. I, I, I'm with you. I, I would really... I'd really have to see what the deal shook out to be because I am a big Pavel Franco's believer. I think he's very I think he's very good. I think he is a 1B in the NHL. I I've officially walked a little bit back from I think he could be a true starter. I think you could absolutely true tandem a guy like Pavel Franco's. That's interesting, Megan. Well, and I wonder too like that's our perception. But are there teams that still view him as a starter potential? And is there any concern around health? I'm not ready to make that mm -hmm. huge leap, but I wonder internally within the abs if they're like, should you. we promote Eustace Hanunen or, or should we? Do you go find a cheap <laughs> option? Exactly. <laughs> Lauren Brassois, I'm just kidding. Uh, but, but, uh, but genuinely, uh, for real, if depending on what Vegas decides to do. A hundred percent. But that's what makes the goaltending market just interesting as a whole. And I'm not ready to just ship out Pavel Francos for mm -hmm. nothing. But I also, there's a part of me that's like, if he believes in himself as a starter, Alexander Georgiev's season really harmed that a little bit. Yeah. I think Georgiev emerged as the true starter as was intended. And, and he like captured the net, I thought. Like, I thought so as well. And I think at the start of this, especially around the time that Francois had agreed to the extension. There was no knowledge of Georgiev at that time. Yeah. And so entering the season, I wonder how Pavel Francois then felt about his opportunity here in Colorado. Yep. Like, I think at the beginning of it, there was this chance, this 50-50 chance of battling mm -hmm. for the starter's net. And as the season unfolded, injury obviously played a factor in this. Totally. But then it became Georgiev's net. I wonder if Pavel Francois, the person, would have interest in a team that would take a chance on him as a starter. I think that's really interesting, Megan. And now, and, you, and Jonas Johansson no longer going to Sweden. Yep, like, yep. What's I thought he that was doing? interesting. Yeah, I, I I wondered how much of a testament that was to how much he enjoyed the Avalanche organization. But I guess we'll have to see what happens this summer. The, the waiver wire thing with Johansson specifically mm -hmm. will pose a risk every season, no matter where he is. Right. So they need he needs to be sure that a team is ready to commit to him. Right. At least, even if he's backing up. They need, he needs that assurance because I don't think he can handle that again. It's And, you know, someone mentioned, uh, you know, can the abs move on from McDermott for anything? Gosh, I hope. Uh, and these are, these are a lot of the types of moves that I think whether we see the abs make them this summer or not, I think these are some of the moves that seriously, Megan, are, are going to be on their radar. This is the, and abs fans just need to start preparing themselves this summer. This is what a lot of summers are going to look like, and you're going to end up with moves that you don't love, but it's for the saving pennies and you know dollars here and there so that you can make bigger moves and moves that are more impactful down the road. I, I'm not advocating for this. You and I have said multiple times on this show that I think Pablo Franzos is my favorite guy in the locker room. Yes. I, up until 30 seconds ago, have always held... I think he has potential to be a true number one in this league. I'm a big supporter of Pablo Franco's. If 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 you were to move on from a guy like that, for what you're saying, you know, move him to a team that needs goaltending, thinks he could be a starter, thinks he could be a, a tandem guy. If you get a pick back, if Jonathan Quick wants to play again next year, and you can get him for 850k. Again, we just established it's Georgiev's net. You need a guy that can get you you know, 
average to slightly below average goaltending right. behind what you hope will be a healthier team, more solid structure, better team defense, things like that. Those are the types of moves that you're going to make where it saves you $2 million. Yes, you downgraded a lot at the position, but it saves you $2 million bucks. You're still passable at the position and you can now use that money to make other moves. Those are the types of moves that you should expect to see the abs making going forward. I'm not saying it's to be Paulo Francois, but it's going to be stuff like you essentially give away guys like Curtis McDermott for nothing. We've seen teams embrace that these last couple of years. Here's two players for future considerations because we just need the money off the books. I would like that because they do probably need to eye a seventh, eighth man for the for the decor, and mm-hmm. they could get that contract off the books. That would make an easy move that we could all and be fine with. And also expect for them to have to pay for some of these moves. People asking, could you get a sixth for Curtis McDermott? Honestly, Megan, it's more likely that it's Curtis McDermott a sixth for future considerations type thing. Yeah. So, you know, people just need to start tempering these expectations if the Avs, you know, are saying, hey, we're right in the middle of this competitive window. We think it's us. We think it's Vegas. We need to be a little bit more aggressive. Uh, You're going to see some aggressive moves, moves that people have criticized teams like Vegas for making. The Avs could be entering into that room. I think so, because we talked about it earlier, and I still think the Avs are going to honor being a cap-compliant team. But I think they are going to get a little bit more aggressive in mm-hmm. targeting and actually acquiring the players that they set their sights on. And if we're in the room with Pavel Franco so's being a tradable piece, the return has to be right. It has to mm-hmm. be of, of high value to the Avs team that makes them better right now you're saying if it's Devon Taves or if it's Pavel Francouz oh even. I'm sorry yes 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 both. yes, yes, yes. Uh, both yep. it's yep. true of both well and and and, the, and there are moves that again because we see teams with do this all the time where they make a move that the immediate move doesn't make perfect sense but it's because there's a follow-up move if if your transaction isn't the move like what you're saying it has to be a subsequent move that you go oh that's why they did it this makes sense. This is a weird time of the show to bring it up, but are you interested at all in Pliarvi this offseason? Yeah. As oh, a free agent? Abs- 100%. Uh, th- could, him- it, could this have been the perfect timing? Like, all right, maybe it wasn't then. Well, and then here's, maybe it is now. here's the other thing for me, Megan. He was terrible in Carolina. <whistles> Stock went way down. That's a dude you can get for probably that. less than a million dollars. I believe that. You can probably get that dude to drop into your bottom six for less than a million dollars. You know, Jonathan Drouin, I think we're going to see the Avs dabble in a couple reclamation markets this summer saying, hey, we've got a track record of this and we need cheap people in our bottom six because (laughs) we're tied up against the cap. Um, You know, you're going to see a lot of, uh, you're going to see a lot of them betting on players, I think, this summer because that's what they're going to need to do to fill out the roster. I love it. I'm comfortable with it too, as long as it stays kind of in the one mil or under range. hundred percent. And that's, that's my other thing too, is you have to get the, you have to get the dollar figure, right? You have to get the dollar figure, right? When you're signing players like a Jesse Pulley, 
you know, if if they make a deal for Jonathan Drouin, you know, the money has to make sense as well. 100%. Uh, anything else, Megan? No. Okay. All right. I think we're good. No. I was, yeah. I mean, I, I think we're fine. Uh, that'll do it. Uh, I think no show tomorrow. No show tomorrow. I think we'll all be at the parade uh, for the Nuggets. So that'll be super fun. Uh, AJ and Rudo will be back at things on Friday. Megan, you and I are done until next week. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, really, starting probably Friday, I imagine. Uh, AJ and Rudo are going to probably do mock draft stuff uh, as we start heading into that. But then Monday, we are in full-on off-season mode. Rumors and what's happening and trades and free agency and picks and who's talking to who. So, um, I almost we, forgot something. Yes. We have a super chat. Oh, we do have a super chat. Melanie. You're 100% right. Hi, Melanie. I'm so sorry. Sean, I'm so sorry. You guys always give super chats, and I always forget. I told myself three times, remember to ask about this super chat, and I almost didn't, so thank you, Tiff. Uh, let's see. $5 from Melanie. Thanks again uh, for all your content. I look forward to it daily. Have a great week. Melanie, thanks so much. We appreciate the... The, the super chat, and we hope you are Thank having you, a great Melanie. week as well. And we appreciate your support, all of you guys uh, who do watch and listen. Again, I know we've done um, a lot of not-as-conversation for this being the DNVR Avalanche podcast, uh, so we appreciate you guys uh, sticking with us. It was a... I don't know if fun is the word I want to use for this season, it, it, was a, it was a hell of a season, Megan. Like, it was... Oh, yeah. I can't believe it's over. Uh, this is a crazy year for sure. And, and we are very lucky that we get to do uh, what we do. We get to watch a lot of hockey. We get to spend a lot of time at the rink. It can be a grind. It can be tough. Um, but when we get to come in and do this kind of stuff and people watch and people listen, uh, and, you know, we get super chats like we just got from Melanie there where she says, you know, I watch and listen every day. Thank you guys so much. It, it makes it all... Uh, worth it. It makes it even more special. Uh, you know, the, the opportunities that we already get. So, uh, thank you guys for, time. for sticking with us, uh, through what really was a grind of a year for everyone from, uh, abs players, abs management to abs fans, uh, to us covering the team. And then, you know, a pretty wild playoff run that we, uh, had fun kind of following along with just for the NHL in general. So thank you guys, uh, so much for everything that you guys do for us. You guys are the reasons that we uh, are here. So for Megan Angley, we got Tiff on the board. I'm Jesse Montano. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back at it Monday. AJ and Rudo back at it on Friday. Everyone else will be here in Denver. Get out. Enjoy the parade tomorrow. Enjoy a day of celebration. Uh, and we will talk to you guys later.